welcome. Thanks for joining us today. So glad you found us. If this is your first time, we certainly hope it's not your last time. And you could do us a favor by clicking on the digital connection card up here in the corner and let us know who you are. And if there's something we can be praying for with you, and if there's information we might be able to send you, we'd invite you to just click that card and let us know. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you and are grateful that you've joined us today also. A couple of things I want to share with you. One, we are sharing with our neighbors later this week with the uh, trunk or treat and, and also beggars afternoon, if you will. As the kids in the neighborhood will be coming door to door and we want to be able to bless them. And if you'd like to be part of that, we would invite you to click on the, the give button up above or make a donation and be part of that effort. Just a practical way of our sharing with our neighbors. Uh, the trunk or treat is going to be at the high school and it's a safe trick-or-treating opportunity for the kids. And there'll be lots of vehicles parked in the parking lot and allow the kids to come in and go from one to the other and get their bags full and uh, just have a great time. And then on Saturday is and then on Saturday is the afternoon beggars time. Again, it's a safe opportunity for the kids to go door to door. Last couple of years we've actually had a couple of police officers stop by and, and so we want to be able to bless them also just as a way of being present. And then I want to share with you too that our friend Matt Skolnick, who is our general presbyter, which is the, the guy who's over this uh, tribe of churches of ours in the Muskingum Valley, has started a podcast. And he's already got a number of episodes up. I had the privilege of sitting with him over a week ago. Oh my goodness, I just had a wonderful interview for our podcast with Tom Rutke. Um, in this particular interview, we talked about his ministry within the prison. Unfortunately, we did not get to talk about all the different community ministries that Tom as a pastor is involved in. That's okay. We can circle back to that. With that being said, we also circled on to um, the idea of how do we minister to men? which is something that I think is really important in our culture, especially within our churches. Sometimes we don't speak to the heart of men. Um, and then third, we also looked at what does it mean to not only have an intersection point, but to move past the intersection point. Check out the podcast. Don't miss our podcast, intersectpodcast.org. We're super excited about it. Talk to you later. God bless. Really thoughtful stuff that he's doing, and I would encourage you to uh, check it out. You can get it on any of the platforms, uh, Apple Podcasting or Spotify or Google, whatever your choice is. And there's a link here also in the worship notes to help you do that. And then as we do come to worship, I want to share with you the bittersweet news of the passing of a good friend, Gwen Walter. Gwen was an active member of our church. She leaves behind an amazing husband who all of this was a surprise. She just was in church a couple weeks ago and unfortunately due to a heart attack, uh, she's left us way too soon. But we were able to celebrate her life on Friday. And I know for the family, they're just walking through this season. So I hope you'd pray for her husband, Don, and, and their children uh, because they're actively involved here in our uh, kingdom outpost called Linden Road. And as they're moving through to the next chapter with an empty chair at the family gatherings. Again, Gwen served as a deacon for many years. She was involved in many good things 
not just here, but I know she had passions for Kingwood Center and more importantly, her uh, passion for her own family. I know on the day she passed, it was a, a typical day that was filled with lots of engagement. Uh, some time at the soccer fields watching grandkids play and then a time of dinner with the family. She was actually getting ready to do something on Sunday with some friends and it's in those moments we wrestle with the reality that life is short. And so as we worship today, let's be mindful of just the blessing that God gives us in each moment and not to miss them. And that'll be the encouragement in today's message about living with intentionality. We are in the second week of this series of Love God, Love People, which is a basic understanding that many churches have. Many churches have embraced these phrases, these words, as their mission statement. Although ours says, love God, love others, with no limits, it's the same principle. It's the same ideas. And we know that where this comes from, as we began last week, is that Jesus told us that we need to love one another. And we need to do that because he's loved us. And so what's cool about the scriptures is there's a lot of examples of what does that look like. And there are examples that are going to stretch us. There are examples that are going to cause us to go, hmm, I wonder how well I'm doing with that one. So here's the bottom line. When Jesus loved, he loved impartially and he loved intentionally. And so let's pray as we begin. God, as we seek to love others and be more like you, please help us to move past our indifferences and our biases. Help us to love impartially and intentionally and help us to love like you did. And we pray it in your name. Amen. Last week, we took a look at where this instruction to love God and love others comes from and why it's called the greatest commandment. We also took a look at a couple verses in scripture where Jesus was very specific and he gave this instruction and where he offered us this idea of a new command. And this is where we're gonna pick up this week as we lean into looking at the example that Jesus was as we see it in the new command. So again, let's go back to that verse we looked at last week, John chapter 13, beginning with verse 34. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this will everyone know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So we see here, it's a simple command. And it's the example that Jesus sets forward for us, and that's to love one another as he loved us. And you remember last week we pointed out this idea, how he ultimately loved us in such an amazing way by offering up his life for us. So last week we settled with the takeaway, if you will, the big idea for you to think through how you could trade your life for others. Hopefully it's not a literal transferring of life, it was a practical way of looking at what is it that we're willing to give up? What is it of our time and our talents and our treasures that we can lean into and leverage? I think about Gwen Walter and the life that she lived as a deacon who was faithful to send simple things like birthday cards and anniversary cards, but I also know checking in on people. And prior to COVID, where things was much different for many churches, she was a key player in making sure that people's needs were met in the life of the church. And so it's that, it that kind of modeling that we want to engage in also. We know when we look at the life of Jesus that he gave us many examples when he was here on earth to look at, and to study, and to even emulate when we think about how he ministered to people on earth. And when we think about the example of Jesus, there's two things 
two specific words that I think come to mind. The first is intentional and the second is impartial. Jesus loved others intentionally and impartially throughout his life. And today we're going to take a look at a couple stories out of scripture, ones that you may be familiar with, and to look at how he engaged people, how he was intentional and how he was impartial and how he showed love and care for other people. Now, I have to say this idea that it's easy to love people we like, right? Those that are just like us, uh, the people who share our interests and our desires. It's, in fact, much more difficult to love people who aren't like us, who we will disagree with, people who have different interests or even different desires. And most of us understand this concept, and most of us generally surround ourselves with the people who are easy. After all, life is difficult enough. We don't need any more drama in our lives. Who wants to add any difficult relationships to the mix? But the problem, and there's always a a but in this, right, in the conversation we look at the gospel, is it creates within us an opportunity to think through some things that actually force us to get a little uncomfortable. Because as we follow Jesus, there is this example that he gives us And then he turns around and he says, we need to follow him and do the same. And so whether we like it or not, Jesus wants us to be intentional and impartial about loving others. We know this because this is what he did. This is how he lived his life. And one of the most poignant examples of this in the Gospels is found in John chapter 4. There's a lot to the story. I'm not going to push into all of it, but let me just begin here reading with verse 1. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, to get there, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and I have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim this place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. 
You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Wow. There's more to the story, but that's enough. And there's a lot here to sort of push through. There's a lot of the story that uh, is worth pulling out uh, as we consider the example that Jesus, as he was both intentional and impartial in his love and care for this Samaritan woman. Again, first of all, let's take a look at this. Jesus was in Samaria, which might not sound like a big deal, but it's an incredibly big deal. And here's why. According to one commentary I looked at, it says this, there was a great hatred between the Samaritans and the Judeans going back to the 8th century BC. In 722 BC, the northern 10 tribes with their capital in Samaria were taken captive by Assyria and were deported to Media. Other captured people were resettled in northern Palestine. And through the years, those pagans intermarried with what was left of the Israelite population. The Jews considered the Samaritans religious half-breeds and heretics. So you see, there's some deep stuff here, hundreds of years old. So when the woman says in verse 9 of chapter 4, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? You can see that there was a lot of surprise going on here. Things that we need to dive deeper into, but we're not going to do that today. Other than to scratch the surface to see what it meant for Jesus to interact with her. And then on top of that, she was a woman. And she was a woman who was alone, who was out at the watering well in the middle of the day. The other women in the village would have all gone out together early in the morning. And clearly this woman isn't in their group. She's not welcome to be part of that. She's an outcast. She's a Samaritan. And as a woman, it would be inappropriate for Jesus to engage her alone at the well like he did. And that's why it says his disciples are surprised to find him talking with a woman in verse 27. So this is the impartial aspect of Jesus' love. He shows us time and time again throughout his story in the Gospels that he's more than willing to go cross-cultural. He's more than willing to cross to the other side of the street for the sake of sharing the hope that he was bringing. Now, it's interesting, in another gospel, it says, On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Because, you see, Jesus makes it clear, both in his words and his deed, that he is in pursuit of the sinner, the outcast, the sick, the lame, the blind, the one that's hungry, and anyone else who needs to hear the good news that there is redemption and restoration and even forgiveness. Here's what we see, and this may be the big idea today, that if you need a Savior, it doesn't matter who you are, Jesus is ready for you. Let me say that again. If you need a Savior, it doesn't matter who you are, Jesus is ready for you. And what we're going to see here is that he is intentional uh, with his time all the time. And so here in John chapter 4, we see Jesus interacting directly 
with the Samaritan woman's sin. He calls it out. Likely the reason she was an outcast was because of her five marriages and the current living situation she was in, both of which Jesus names clearly and identifies. He doesn't dance around the issue. He doesn't ignore her sin, but I think it's important for us to see he also doesn't rub her nose in it or cause her shame because of it. In fact, the exact opposite happens. Jesus reveals who he really is to her. He shares with this woman, the Samaritan woman, that he is in fact the promised Messiah. He invites her in when everyone else is shutting her out. And what happens after this, and we've looked at it before, but just to remind you is she runs off. And it's amazing what she ends up doing. She runs back into town and she tells everyone she meets that she's met Jesus. And she becomes actually a herald, if you will, of good news. Her street credit rises, and Jesus' example of being impartial and intentional shines bright for everybody to see. Now, along with this story, it also reminds me of another story of Jesus talking to somebody, engaging somebody, and that comes to us out of the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 19. Let me begin reading here, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, Has he gone to be a guest of a sinner? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times this amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. So again, we have another person, like the woman in the first story, the Samaritan one. We now have Zacchaeus, who is also an outcast. I mean, he's a tax collector of all things. He would have been hated by everybody, all of his fellow Jews. This is the type of person that we constantly see Jesus interacting with. He's the kind of person who he, we find sitting at the table and having dinner with. We find that Zacchaeus is the kind of person that he invites him, Jesus, to join him in kingdom ministry, to become a disciple of his. So when Jesus calls out to Zacchaeus and he invites himself over to stay at his house, we're not too surprised at the interaction, even though it would have been shocking to those standing around, those people that are right there, Zacchaeus' friends. It's like, wow, this is crazy. In fact, what they were probably saying is, how could Jesus, I mean, Jesus, the rabbi, even talk to someone like that, Zacchaeus, let alone go and stay in his house with him? See, this is the kind of interaction that is incredibly unfathomable, is probably the big word, to many who are religious leaders, the religious elites of the day. And the challenge that they saw, and I think it's the challenge for us today as we read along, is to consider the places and the spaces in our lives here in 2022 where we've become judgmental and we've become divisive. Because you know what? The truth is, Love breaks down our defenses. It does, doesn't it? And when someone is intentional and impartial to us, we respond in kind, right? Well, that's why I think, again, to mention last week is, again, this week, 
the He Gets Us campaign because of what they're trying to help unpack with these creative commercials and these creative social media posts at a whole different level. Because this much we know about Jesus, he had great compassion. Everywhere he went, he sought to alleviate suffering. He ministered to the sick and the injured and to the outcasts, like the Samaritan woman and Zacchaeus and others. And in those days, people who were afflicted with leprosy were isolated in their leper colonies. While others shunned them, Jesus treated and assisted them. He was a healer both of body and spirit. And then also, Jesus didn't hold back his feelings. He cared. We know he mourned. We know he wept. And through that example of his life, we can learn how to be more caring and compassionate to everyone that's around us. Like Jesus, we can seek ways to ease others' burdens and lift them up physically and emotionally. It's these small acts of kindness and sincere words of sympathy that can make a huge difference to someone that's in need of compassion right now. And so check out this video. A young mother had a son, a kind-hearted boy who always tried to do what's right. As he grew older, he worried about others more than himself. Whenever he saw anyone suffering, he tried to heal and comfort them, but more people became sick. Disease ravished the land. People were quarantined, isolated. Many didn't survive. It became too much, and he had to isolate himself. He cried as he thought about all the unbearable things the people were going through. The mental anguish racked him with sorrow, but it was his cross to bear. Right? It is that compassion that drives him. And it's the compassion that should drive us with intentionality and with impartiality. Now, in the story of Zacchaeus, what do we do? We get a firsthand look at just how powerful the love and the kindness of Jesus is in the lives of other people. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost, and I love the promise of the story that Jesus restores Zacchaeus as he seeks to be redeemed and forgiven. So again, we have this man, Zacchaeus, a short little man was he, right? As the great old song went. He was lost and broken, and he was an outcast who probably had no real friends. And what does Jesus do? Jesus looks past all that, and he loves him anyway. Right where he was, in the midst of the road, Jesus loves him. Man, that's an incredible example for us to follow. And I don't know about you, but it sort of messes with how I think my days go. It's interesting, in an article from Christianity.com, the writer asks, what is the significance of the woman at the well? And it's interesting, the response that the writer replies with, and I think it's important for our discussion as we wrap up today. The writer says, it shows Jesus' love for the world, the fact that the woman at the well was of such low standing that her gender and her race and her marital status, yet they talk so directly, almost as equal conversational partners, shows Jesus' heart for all people, not just some. 
And we see this similar heart when Jesus interacts with Zacchaeus. And we don't want to forget all the other stories that are in Scripture throughout the Gospels where Jesus shows up over and over again and he shows how to love powerfully and it's also how to love impartially and also how he loved intentionally. So today, to make it really practical and maybe mess with this a little bit because of what the question is going to ask, uh, let me ask you this. Are you loving others like Jesus did? Again, are you loving others like Jesus did? Because like I said before, it's real easy to love the people that we like and who look like us and act like us, the people who share our similar interests and our desires. And it's more than difficult. It's extremely difficult, maybe even exponentially difficult, to love people who are different, who we will disagree with, and people who may have radically differing interests and ideas. So I'm wondering, do you have any difficult people in your life? And are you regularly interacting with those whom others would call outcasts? Are you interested in the lives of those who are broken, who are hurting, and who are lost? Again, I want to point you to my podcast that I did with Matt, where we talked about, it wasn't where we started, but it's where we ended up, is talking about uh, the ministry with inside the walls of the local jail. And how do we, as God's people, meet people like the men I meet with each week who are broken and far from God, who have stepped into deep addiction, and who need to be reminded of God's amazing love for them. So the truth for all of us, I think, today is I think all of us could identify areas where we need to love more like Jesus. And so instead of feeling guilty and ashamed today about how we could do and should do better, because it's always about the woulda, couldas, and shouldas, right? We set our eyes on Jesus and we step out in faith this week. And what we do is we offer an invitation, and even extending an invitation to love one another. And that we need to pray that God would help each of us, you and me together, become more intentional and impartial with what we do each day. And more importantly, that we keep an eye out for those who may feel alone right now or may feel abandoned, that we can meet them with the love of Christ to encourage them to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the life that you've given us through Jesus. And because of his life, because of what he has sacrificed for us, we pray that we can see with his eyes and have compassion like his heart to be able to see and love intentionally and to see and love being impartial and that we can offer the hope of the gospel to those that need to be connected to all that you want to offer. Use us, God, through your Holy Spirit. And we pray it in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.